You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 14th of March 2021. This week, Paul talks to Stoke-based writer Richard Hayden about the first of a trilogy that he has written called Folly on the Hill, inspired by his local environment. So then, welcome to the Weekend Wind Down. if you're just joining us, and welcome, of course, to our Waffle Hour, where we speak to authors and writers and poets and all sorts of various different people who like to play with words. And I am really delighted uh, to be joined uh, by Richard Hayden. Good afternoon, Richard. Good afternoon, Paul. Thank you for having me. That's all right. We're, we're doing the Zoom thing. We're, we're, we're getting very technologically advanced nowadays. Now, this lockdown's opened all sorts of doors for us. It's changed a lot over the last 12 months, hasn't it, what we can do? Just a little bit. To set in context, we're, we're both kind of uh, teched up here. We've, we've both got headsets on, which is why Richard actually sounds a little clearer than some of our guests have been in the past. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, it's brilliant to, to uh, greet you this afternoon and to see you. Um, and uh, where, whereabouts are you uh, calling us from this afternoon? Uh, so I'm calling from Malcop, just outside Stoke-on-Trent. Excellent. So we've uh, we've we've gone across borders, which is lovely. Uh, and so so, <laughs> so to, to do geography wise, we've got to go down the M6 a bit past Cheshire. We're we're, we're just on that yes. kind of border there, aren't we? That's right. Yes, you'll be able to see the hill of Malcop from the M6. Actually, if you look to the left, uh, and Junction 80. And Malcop, if you've never come across it, because it, I'll, I'll have to say it's it's not something that immediately springs to mind when you're thinking no, national geography. Um, it's a, it's a tiny a bit, tiny village. It is a tiny village, but it's a tiny village on a single hill. It's a hill that's not connected to any other hills, and it has a nice little uh, castle-like structure on the top of it, uh, I was which gonna is say, what makes it spotted. Well, I was going to say, it sounds kind of inspirational to be around. It's almost <laughs> like somebody should write a book about it. <laughs> uh, yes, I suppose you could say that, yes. Um, so that, it was my inspiration, yes. I, I was going to say, do you want to tell us a little bit about for the folly on the hill? I mean, what was what was that moment where you thought you know what there's there needs to be a book written here there's some there's something because everyone has that moment that little seed that's planted it- yeah i think so the, the folly itself i describe it as a castle because for anyone who hasn't seen it a castle is as good a description as any mm. but it doesn't really seem to serve a purpose it's too small to be anything grand but right. too big to be nothing <laughs> so i tried to work out what it could be and i realized that the shape of it is very similar to an old style lock Right. Like an old style lock and key with a with a barrel down oh, the wow. middle. Yeah. And I started thinking, what if that was protecting us from something else? And what if is... it actually was a lock on top of the hill protecting us? Oh wow. So some sort of mystical force field that's been placed there. Essentially, yeah. It's Essentially, a, yeah. And it's and it's a, I was gonna say it's a folly on a hill is, is the is the title of the book. And it I is, it, yes. it, it made me re- but just when you sent me the, the, the proof of everything the PDF of it, I and I, I was having a look through and it reminded me because I'm from Essex and the Hadley Castle is a very much a kind of ruined castle on a hill. Yeah. I've done many a many <laughs> an annoying <laughs> run up there. Uh, and uh, and and there is something about those kind of um old old castles or the remains of of old buildings that that just kind of immediately when you're around them you almost step back into history and the beginning of your book is it it literally is subtitled you know centuries ago isn't it it is yes it's set before the folly structure was there when the hill was just a hill essentially at Hmm. at the beginning um because you're right you do get this sense of what was there before what's happened how many people have stood where i'm standing right now sort of thing it is weird how you get drawn into that it is like you say when you start to imagine you know all of the people you know the generations that have been there there are you know you're literally standing in other people's shoes and you're starting to think well you know what 
what is it that's that, that's happened here? Um, and and it's interesting you've you've gone for that kind of mystical element. Is that something that you know prior to this is your debut novel? Is this something prior to your novel that you've you've particularly been interested in reading that kind of fiction in, in the past? So I've always been drawn to young adult fiction in general. Mm. I mean, my favourite book is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which obviously isn't spiritual <laughs> in any way. It's more sci-fi. Um, but I've always liked the idea of things that are close enough to our world to maybe be real, yeah. but aren't quite. That sort of narrow margin between full full fantasy with dragons mm. and fantasy with uh, sort of real life undertones and that's where i've tried to fit this book when i've written it there is a sense of of, of reading through the book of, of a kind of reality reality and spirituality which is more akin to kind of um you know witchcraft and mysticism rather than you're full-on like you say it's not this is not game of thrones this is not lord of the rings we're not we're not no, talking not. dragons and you know fiery death right no. we, we, you know there's there's much more of a human element and a, and a spiritual element to the book isn't there um absolutely yeah and and you've you've created this in, entire world and do you want to tell us a little bit about because you you mentioned when we were just talking off air about creating antagonists and protagonists and about you know that kind of that dark and light that we get all the yeah, way through fiction absolutely. how did you settle on those two characters so okay so for the folly on the hill we get an introduction to as i say the antagonist who is uh, a spiritual figure from this other world hmm. um imaginary is based on our imaginations so it can create anything anything you can imagine can exist in that world but not physically it can't touch it can't taste or smell and he wants that that's what he wants that's what he craves and what he's trying to do is take that energy from us in one go that's what he's trying to do and that's what the folly's protecting us from oh i see so it's it, basically so it's our, it's our kind of ability to dream and our ability to kind Essentially, of get yeah. forward and uh, which is an amazing human superpower in itself that's our exactly, that's yeah. our ability to you know be creative isn't it um yes. and so we've 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 got that I, I think that's a really interesting idea as well something thank th- you that we've got to protect it's almost like we should read this book it's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's go for it um, but uh, i mean when you uh, it's, I always find this when, when you're writing that actually articulating that is a very very tricky thing. So how did you go about it when once you decided that right this is this is the, the kind of where it's going to be set and this is the kind of message I want to get through yeah. the story? What was it? Was there was there plan? How, how much planning? Because I know we're going to move on to the fact that we're talking about a trilogy in in, in yeah. total here. Um, but what what was the first step when you when you first sat down to write? Because I know you wrote this for pleasure to start with, didn't you? I did absolutely. It was completely written for pleasure. Um, it would fill my time in terms of my plan. I sort of I created the overall story as you mentioned the trailer. So I created the overall story for three parts, probably in a couple of days. Very high level, yeah. just sort of like this is what I think is going to happen. Um, and then what I did is I, I broke that down into parts. But then when I was writing it, I just sort of let it flow. So hmm. I didn't give myself like a rigid structure of this many words a day, and then this will happen, and this will happen. Yeah. It was okay. I'm going to write. My characters are here. I need to get them to there how do I get them there sort of thing and it would just naturally flow like that so because of that the first draft of this book The Folly on the Hill took me about three months right which is I'm astounded I have that level of attention span to be honest (laughs) if you'd have asked a 15 year old me am I going to write a book (laughs) the answer would have been no Um, so the fact that I was able to do that and it just flowed out and then I was able to immediately go into the others Mm. I never truly i never really suffered with writer's block on this i was blessed in that regard because mm. I, I know that's 
not normal that's not common for people that write yeah and and, and certainly with uh, with with david when we've spoken to, to debut writers before a lot of them have said i managed to get about three quarters of the book out and then suddenly i this moment of how do i finish it or how do i which actually luckily for you there's a kind of there's a kind of through road isn't there you've got that kind of yeah. actually you are only a third of the way through this big bigger story Absolutely, yeah. uh, that you want to talk about and we'll get on to you know how you're either going to be jrr tolkien or george lucas or both uh, <laughs> in just a moment uh, all the Back to the Future trilogy, which is, of course, the greatest of trilogies. Um, Couldn't you, agree more. One of the, my favourite films. Exactly. Thank you very much. I, I, had, I had a debate with one of our, my co-presenters yesterday who, who said live on air that he'd never seen the film. Unbelievable. Um, but um, we're going to uh, take a break for your first music break now, if that's all right. Okay. Uh, and now, I, I, when, when you first sent the music choices through, I hadn't yet had a chance to read the book. It's very obvious now why you've chosen this particular <laughs> Sheeran song. Uh, but why Castle on the Hill? Um, well, I thought Ed was helping me with advertising for a book. If he just got the name wrong, he called it Castle on the Hill rather than Folly on the Hill. Um, and I, I like the song. I've seen Ed live. He's brilliant. So, yeah, and many that, reasons why it's perfectly song. fine. We'll get in contact with him for you. Get a, get a bit of a name change sorted. And yeah, that'd be good, Jeff. If we could do that, that'd really help me. He yeah. could just sell copies of the book when he's out on tour next. Yeah, that'd really help. <laughs> Here's Ed Sheeran. 104.7 Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down and welcome back to the Waffle Hour. I am uh, joined this afternoon by Richard Hayden, uh, uh, who's the author of The Folly on the Hill, uh, not The Castle on the Hill, as we've just heard. Uh, this is part one of the book of Imaginari. Um, and uh, now that part one is the bit that I want to get on to now, because this okay. is part one of three. Am I correct? It is. Yes, it is part okay. one of three. Yes. So trilogy time. Uh, you're going to be right up there with, as as we've mentioned, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings and Back to the Future, Godfather. You know, these are some pretty big things that we're, that we're following in the footsteps of. How on earth do you not only create a book, but create a book that is part of such a wider universe as such? I think, in my head when I was creating it, I was creating it as one book in three parts. Right. So in my head, it wasn't a trilogy. Hmm. It was just one big continuous story that I then split into three component parts. It's just too heavy to fit on the shelf on its own. That's what it Basically, is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think what that did is that made it easier for me to work out which elements of which characters to reveal at which point. Hmm. Because you don't need to know this then, you need to know that now. Um and it made it easier for me to create that. I think if I tried to write it as one, I think I probably would have exhausted myself. I think mm. giving myself those two breaks gave me an opportunity to reset and do that. And obviously, we're here to talk about the first one, but it allowed me to make all three books very, very different. Mm. The tone of all three, I have separated them. That's um, quite interesting. So it's almost like a refresh every time you come to the new book. Yeah, that's what you know, I tried to do. You might be revisiting the same characters and places, but at the same time, there's, if there's a different slight undercurrent to it, it, it kind of makes it feel like a fresh volume in itself. Sort of, yeah. And that's what I've tried to do with that. And um, and hopefully that works across across the book of Imaginary, as you say, across all three parts. And, and it's interesting, you were telling me off air, at, uh, as a, and you, you know, you're a storyteller at uh, heart, and you, you were saying you wanted to tell people a lot of things about the first book even um in the in the years of preparation for for, for bringing That's this all right. together yes, I did. and yet you've you've had that how, how's that been now that now that literally the cat is out of the bag the book's out there it's on people's shelves it's 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 listed on amazon how is it what's the relief like now that you can actually talk about it with people oh it's amazing it's absolutely <laughs> incredible i mean like so 
2019, I had the idea for the whole thing, and within a year, I'd written all three parts. Mm. But then it's still another year to get to this point now, and people would talk to me about what I'm doing in my spare time, what's happening, what's going on. When there was a lockdown on, I was doing a lot of editing, but I couldn't tell anyone that that's what I was doing. <laughs> it was it was very strange keeping it secret. I mean, the group of people that were helping me were people that I love and trust. Mm. So my nearest and dearest knew, but there were a lot of close friends that didn't. And yeah. that wasn't because I didn't want to tell them, but it was because I was just protecting this this person, this this story that I had created, this thing, this baby. Um, and I, I wanted to wait for the right moment to share it with the world. And that moment came about a month ago. <laughs> I just decided to do it. And I put some posts out there saying I'd done this. And the number of messages I got from people saying, how have you written a book and not told me? I yeah. don't understand. <laughs> It's a um, lot easier when you're not allowed to leave your house. That's for certain. <laughs> it is, yes. That <laughs> is a secret. lot easier. Um, I did spot but, in the in the acknowledgements of the book at the end, actually, that actually there is a, a fairly large group of people that you've you've sort of called upon for, you know, and things that, yeah. things that people don't realise about getting those book these books out, especially a novel. You know, the amount of proofreading that goes into making sure that, um, you know, I, as well as your spelling and grammar checks and all those things, but it's also the the, the continuity between the characters to, so that you don't say something in chapter two and then it's contradicted in chapter absolutely yeah it is exhausting yeah mm. it really is and i i had a very close group of people that read edit after edit after edit um i've obviously read it through but you become blind to your own work because in my head i know more than anyone else so it's easy for me to fill in a blank if a sentence is wrong because i know what it should say because i know what the overall sort of principle is of that that particular sentence um so when i've put what i've put in there is absolutely true i wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about a book that's been published mm. without that group of people it just wouldn't happen yeah and so, i was, was going to say you've also got the backup as well of if it's um if it's in uh number one and and somebody says but shouldn't this happen to this person you go ah you went to a chapter you went till volume two comes out then you can yeah. you can you can make those amendments now uh, yes exactly yeah <laughs> are there are there bits and pieces that do you think that actually the reaction to part one if once once that starts coming in and you start to get reviews in and things yeah. like that do you think that actually the reaction to certain characters if people like a particular character or something like that that actually that might change the the way that you view parts two and three would you would you amend the story or are we are we set on how two and three are going to be i think in terms of story i'm set on how two and three are going to go in terms of maybe little character nuances and Mm. things like that maybe but i am not going to go in and rip it apart and start again yeah not because i think i know better than anyone else or anything like that but i'm at a point where i'm happy with it and whilst Mm. i'm happy to tweak it and change it i'm not going to go in and rip it up because one person messages me saying i really wish this person had black hair instead of blonde hair or something like that (laughs) somebody told me once that compromise is the greatest enemy of creativity and i've I've sort of stuck with it a little bit sometimes as an author or a writer you've got to dig your heels in and say no this is my story i'm telling it the way i want to thank you very much yeah exactly it is like that and it's only been out a week but the few responses i have had have been more positive than i could ever have imagined Mm. um that they really have and that's that feels nice is the only way i can word that it's so warming to know this thing that i care about other people are enjoying um i know there's inevitably going to be the other side of that come along as well i know that but 
hopefully it's constructive and then like i say if i need to deal with something in that then i can will i was going to say we'll touch upon that maybe in the in the in the, the, the last part of the interview this yeah, sure. afternoon about sort of about what that reaction's been um let, let's go to some music now we've got some uh, now you've chosen a bit of uh, the greatest showman uh and is that uh, is that particularly to do with anything to do with the book or is this just a good a nice a nice cracking song that you like um it's a song that i like i think the greatest show is probably a guilty pleasure if you were to look <laughs> at my most likely played on my phone i think that album might be up there <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got the same but for very different reasons I'll explain to you off air why <laughs> okay no problem at all so oh, it's, it's too long a story to tell on air at the moment <laughs> uh, right here's uh, Zach Ethron and Hugh Jackman this is The Other Side 104.7 Rossendale Radio Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Waffle Hour here on 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's just coming up to half past five and I am speaking to Richard Hayden about his book, The Folly on the Hill. Uh, and uh, we've, we've covered the, the areas of, of trilogy uh, and uh, and how you sculpt an entire universe in that direction. Um, just as a first time author, though, uh, what's that feeling like when the book and I, and I know we're looking at Zoom and you've you've waved a physical copy yes. of it in front of me. Um, what? How do you describe that emotion of the, you know, when it arrives? I, d- I don't know how you went about it with your publishers. Did they, was it, hand, did it arrive for the post? It's, it's, it's self-published. It's yeah. so that there was no publishing house involved. So I, I did it. We designed it. We put it out there. When you get that physical thing, though, it kind of, up to that point, everything feels surreal. It feels like, oh, I've got this Word document and I type some words on it. People have read it. They tell me it's okay. But it doesn't feel like a book. No. It just feels like words on a page. You know, you can call it a script or a screenplay, a manuscript, whatever, but it doesn't feel like a book until you get that little thing that's sort of A5 in size with a spine mm. and a barcode on the back and you go, <laughs> oh wow, I actually did this. This is really, really scary that I've got this physical book. Um, it's an amazing feeling. It's, mm. I can't really put it into words, to be honest. It just sort of, it's like the culmination of two years worth of late nights and edits and does this sentence work do i need to change that is this okay does that scan right just going round and round so it's a sense of relief knowing that you got it to a point where it's there in a physical print but then when i see pictures that people have sent me where they've bought it it, you kind of get that feeling all over again Mm. and it's like oh wow it's out there now you know as much as i've got one on my bookshelf there is however many copies out there on other people's bookshelves that's a good that's sign an amazing that's, feeling yeah it's a good sign there's only one on your bookshelf because you know authors with like 19 versions of their own book on their bookshelf is that, that that's the sad story <laughs> that you get from this that's a good point, actually. <laughs> yeah, a good point. Uh, but it's it's interesting you say though that it, it, about physically and obviously we're on zoom at the moment when, when you were gesturing that it was literally like it was coming out of you uh, and they, yeah, they always you know people always say everyone's got a novel in them and you can't yeah. say that now you say i've got it in my hand here it is yeah, it is there because you pour, you, you're right, I am gesturing with my hands spread out from my chest because you, you pour your effort and energy into it and you pour your, your, your life and soul into these pages. I mean, the main character in this book, Eleanor, mm. I'm incredibly fond of her. Mm. She's not real. She's no. completely fictitious. But I'm so fond of her as a person because I've spent so much time with her over the last two years watching her develop as a person and grow because she's a teenager in this book yeah so i remember what it was like being a teenager and you're trying to figure out what's going on and she's she grows across the the story of the folly on the hill but more so in the other parts as well she grows into this amazing person that i'm so fond of Hmm. that if i could meet her 
and take it for a drink, I probably would. <laughs> and I'd probably apologise for putting her through all this. As well. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing, is that you're the architect of all of the all of the hurdles that these characters have to go over as well. Absolutely, yeah. It's it is a strange thing when you've when you've created these people and you suddenly realise that no they're not real. <laughs> so, I mean I know I know it's called Imaginary and it's very much about imagination the the, the whole theme of the book. But you you have sort of got to. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it is a very strange thing because you personally will have, will have, like you say, carried these people around with you for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as well, there will come an end to the story. I suppose we, when you reach that kind of natural conclusion with with them, do you think that actually there may be a, a sort of sense of actually you wanted to maybe continue with their lives a little bit, or actually there there might be some sort of follow on? Maybe. Mm. I mean. <laughs> So in terms of the the three books, the three parts, I'm happy with the ending and the way that finishes. Mm. I'm definitely happy with the way part one finishes anyway, but I'm I'm almost certain I'm happy with the ending of the whole thing. Mm. I've left it open to a point where if I wanted to revisit the wider world, Mm. I probably could. That's brilliant. As you rightly say, the the whole point of the other world is it's based on pure imagination. So in Mm. theory, I could go back and do whatever we wanted to do with those people. Um, But the characters in there there's enough of a or i believe anyway there's enough history around them for me to dip in and pull someone out and do something different over here and then put them back in again if i wanted to and i was that way inclined but in truth last year i actually it's i had an idea for something else so i started <laughs> jotting down something completely different in a completely different world in a completely different space <laughs> that, that one's set in an office in workshop yeah. it's <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, so I've put a pin in that one to get this one published and out there because I, th- I suppose you could say I got the bug. Because mm. I, I, when I was a child, I was always told I had an overactive imagination. I, I would always be thinking about something or creating mm. something in my mind. Um, so to be able to do this and put it down and create something is a is a brilliant feeling and it's such a relief to be able to do that and sort of think oh i can put this to good use then okay yeah. that makes sense it is and that and that creative flow it happens at all times a day I, I bet if you're anything like anyone else i've spoken to on this show uh they, they, they will tell you it's like you suddenly get just as you're about to drift off to sleep at night you go i've got an idea for chapter seven quickly <laughs> and suddenly yeah, you've got to get a pen in today's world though with everything being cloud-based mm. that is actually easier to deal with you don't need a physical notepad yeah. because I mean, when I first had the ideas for this, it was made on the the Notes app on my phone. Oh, I'm it was so glad just, you said that. Just just typing away, just not not a word processor or yep. anything. Just literally just throwing ideas down, and because it's all in the cloud, as it were, mm. I could get at it wherever I was, as long as I was connected to the internet. Yeah. It's a, it's, so, a, it's an absolute godsend for writers, and I, I've, I encourage young writers when I'm when I'm working with them to to, to use the technology they've got. You know, we're always telling them to get off more. their phones, but like you say, that cloud based ideas capturing, you can write if you've got a particular line or something, or a or a moment, or you've got a story arc, and you uh, suddenly yeah. think this is brilliant. Get it written down there because it's going to buzz home, and you'll find it on your PC when you get back. Exactly, yeah. But you can also go more detail that you can take if something inspires you, you can take a picture of it and upload the picture with a note saying this is a really good angle of looking at this. <laughs> There's many ways that we can do that, and that's that's really helpful for lots of young writers, I think. Oh, it's honestly we could we could talk about this uh, sort of uh, all day long uh, uh, coming up, Richard. Unfortunately, we don't have all day long. Um, but uh, what I want to do is I want to make it f- absolutely clear to people about where they can get hold of your book and where they can find out more about your work. So um, I'm, I'm looking at it's listed on Amazon. Is that correct? It is on Amazon. 
um, you can search for The Folly on the Hill. Mm-hmm. It is out there on Kindle and paperback. And you can also follow me on social medias and Facebook as well. And I've got those. It's Twitter and Instagram. It's at R underscore C underscore Hayden with an E. Yes, that's right. Um, and so uh, you can get, find that. Or Richard, uh, it's uh, RC Hayden author is your Facebook page, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Richard Hayden author on Facebook. Yes. Fantastic. Please reach out. If you do get it, let me know what you think. That's great. What we'll do is uh, for the show notes for the podcast, we'll make sure that all that info um, is in the show notes for the podcast so people will be able to make the link uh, and, uh, and that will be available next week, obviously, as well for the bite, bite-sized podcast. Um, I want to say, uh, before we say uh, thank you and, uh, and congratulations on your book, um, you've got one more song for us before we go. You've gone for uh, Try Everything by Shakira. And this is particularly for, and we, we, we nailed it down, it's definitely Zootropolis rather than Zootopia, uh, yes. which is the, uh, this is the Disney film of about animals going about their daily business. That's, I, I don't know, why, why, why this song? Um, specifically the lyrics. I think everyone, we should try things. Try mm. it. You, you might get it wrong the first time, but we pick up and we carry on and we try again. Um, you know, I've got this out there now. The first draft is nothing like the one that's out there, but I kept at it. So if you've got an idea, try it just go for it just try something and that is a perfect message uh, to finish on this afternoon Richard Hayden thank you very much for your time this afternoon we shall direct everybody to the folly on the hill uh, and I shall continue reading it myself I've had, I've had a great time uh, reading what I have so far we'll speak to you very soon and uh, here is Shakira at home in the office in the car wherever you are you can listen to 104.7 Rossendale Radio and there you have it. We come to the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. My thanks this week to Richard Hayden for coming on to talk about his book, The Folly on the Hill. It seems very mysterious and uh, and, a, and a, a fantastic read. Uh, I've had a, a quick browse through it and uh, and uh, and enjoyed the first few chapters. Uh, so uh, I'm very much looking forward to settling down one afternoon and uh, going on an adventure. And I look forward to the full trilogy when it comes out. That's uh, all from me for this week. We'll be back with another great guest next week. My thanks Thanks as ever go to everybody at Rossendale Radio for their help uh, and uh, for allowing us to broadcast on a Sunday afternoon. And of course, to Melanie Kemp for all of her work editing and producing Waffle the Bite Size podcast. Stay safe, everybody, and I'll see you very soon.